It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. As you may know, I have been traveling on around the Northeast coast for the past five or six weeks. I forget exactly when I got out here. I've been visiting my family in Massachusetts. I've been seeing, well, that's mostly my parents, my sisters in New York. I went to Maine last weekend to see a good friend of mine. I have visited a friend or a few friends in Massachusetts. I'm going back to New York to see my sister today. And I'm then going to Philadelphia to the Natural Products Expo, which I may or may not do a whole episode on. I usually love to summarize that experience and the products that I try. So that would likely be next week. And these trips are so interesting because of the emotions I go through while traveling. It's just a different state of mind. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I'm also going to talk about my experiences with therapy. I just had my fifth therapy session a few days ago with my current therapist who I was connected to through my insurance. And my insurance covers 12 sessions with this therapist. I'm already anticipating the end of it, which is interesting because it has been so great. I don't want it to end. And I'm kind of hoping that I can find a way to continue working with this therapist because he may be the best that I've ever had. And I really wanted to share what that journey is like doing therapy, having a really good match with a doctor and also the evolution of therapy. I feel like therapy used to be kind of a taboo thing that people wouldn't talk about. Maybe they would feel shame. Nowadays, it seems like a lot of people are very confident talking about therapy, but still perhaps not super openly. And also just talking about things like this, I think supports other people. I will say that one thing I'm learning in the emotional well-being training course I'm taking right now to become a certified well-being coach, that has been really fantastic for me in therapy because I feel like seeing how to support people through coaching, there's a lot of parallels with therapy. It's not the same thing because being a coach is not being a doctor. So for example, I can't diagnose people as a coach. There are certain medical issues that I can't or perhaps shouldn't fully address. I should recommend my clients go see a doctor for it. I'm still learning. There's a lot of gray areas between basically health and wellness coaching or well-being coaching is the term I like and therapy. And I'm grateful that there are different roles that people play that I can lean on for support, given that I haven't been trained in the depth that a therapist has. However, I see some of the tools and guidance that my therapist offers are very similar to how I'm being trained as a coach. And it's interesting to be on the other end of it to experience that. 
So I'll just dive into the therapy stuff and I'll mix in my travels as they come up. One thing that's super interesting to me is how I felt for years, like I don't really need therapy. I thought, well, (laughs) I'm so deep in the health and wellness world. I have a show in which I'm talking to a lot of experts around mental health and well-being. Like I just feel seeped in it. I feel like I'm always talking about it, exploring myself, reflecting. And then in my personal private time, that's just what I do. I'm reading a ton of books. I'm just processing a lot. So I thought like, what could a therapist offer me really? And this is part of why I want to talk so openly about it because I was really surprised at, and continue to be every single session with this therapist, just blown away by how things come out. And I feel like there's an openness I sense. This is part of what I love about my therapist. Just his personality feels so safe. And I wish I could remember more of what it was like with my first therapist, who I really consider the best that I've had up until now. I went to therapy when I was in college and that woman really shifted so much for me. She actually still practices in Massachusetts and I've even thought about reaching out to her. I doubt that she would remember me, but I just want to say thank you to her because she was so good at her job. And I just feel deep gratitude for my current therapist because I think it's just a great personality match, but he's also so skilled in what he does. And I've had a few therapists over the years who I didn't feel in alignment with. The last person I saw about four or five years ago, I don't know was that skilled, to be honest. I just remember the sessions feeling awkward and not really getting me anywhere. And especially now that I'm doing my coaching training, I'm seeing how much I've grown through structure and a really great therapist or coach, in my opinion, is well-educated and practiced in the art of holding space for somebody and listening to them and letting them be the guide and drawing things out. But just simply holding space is deeply powerful. And I've kind of always known that, but now I have a different angle at it. So if you've been thinking about therapy, perhaps just knowing that alone And thinking through when's the last time that you felt deep psychological safety, like you felt that you could fully, deeply open up to somebody and share things, knowing that they were there to witness you without judgment, doing their best not to have bias. It's tricky because of course, we're as human beings, judgment and bias can come up even when you're skilled. But what I've witnessed through this experience is I don't even sense any judgment or bias coming up from my therapist. And I'm experiencing something really surprising, which is at some point, I think in each, if not most of these sessions I've had thus far, I feel this flood of emotions coming out that I didn't even know was there until I sat down with my therapist. Two days ago, In our session, I was extremely tired, so tired that if it hadn't been for my commitment to therapy, I probably would have postponed our session. And I disclosed that to my therapist. He even asked me if I wanted to postpone it. I said, no, I want to explore what it's like to go through a session feeling this tired. And he said, okay. 
he was completely open to that. And I was absolutely amazed at how I still got to this place of deep emotion and release and clarity. And I received something that I really would not have expected. I think it's a great example of how you can feel like you know yourself, but until you're in certain situations with certain people, you might not have the opportunity to explore the depths of yourself. And that has been the power of this therapy process for me. And I'm just amazed by it. He also draws out things and puts things into phrases or he kind of like in coaching, there's a term for this. (laughs) I'm drawing a blank on, but I'm taught in my coaching program to reflect back what a client says, sometimes in the exact same words so that they can hear it from somebody else. The same things they said, when they say them out loud and then it's repeated back, it can have a lot of power. And sometimes it's rephrasing the same thing to see if that still lands. And sometimes in that process of rephrasing, there's an answer. And I've found that a lot through my therapy. And one thing I wrote down to share on this episode was how I've been noticing that I have a lot of trouble knowing what's right. And I often feel like I go towards answers of, quote, what's right based on my desire to fit in, to get approval. And it's led to me feeling like a lot of confusion and a lack of trust. And I've noticed this for the last few years. In fact, I've had the word trust as a big word for myself for the last couple of years to focus on. Like I remember probably in 2020 deciding that I wanted to spend more time trusting. And as the last few years have gone on, I've recognized like that's a complex thing. And I don't know if the trust I was feeling initially was quite the beneficial type of trust because I think I was looking to trust outside myself, trust other people. I remember thinking that or noticing I was struggling to trust others. This had come up in romantic relationships, just a resistance. And sometimes people will call me controlling because I wasn't trusting them. And a lot of people have gotten frustrated with me over time because I'll ask somebody for advice or I'll ask them like, what should we do? Or what do you want to do together? Like if we're doing something joint and then they'll provide a bunch of answers and I'll decide I don't like any of them and I'll go with something different. And some people that drives them crazy. But that's part of my process of getting to an answer that works best for me. And I thought that there was something wrong with it. But my therapist has pointed out that that process actually might be really helpful for me, even if it doesn't work for others. And this is the other big lesson that we've been exploring through our sessions. I have felt so much discomfort over the fact that a lot of people get frustrated with me and my process. This has been a theme in at least two of the most recent sessions in which I've been discovering how painful that is. And I I wouldn't have known it. It doesn't make me emotional right now sharing that with you, but because of the amount of psychological safety I have with this therapist, when I talk about these things, I get so choked up, I can barely talk. And that's been interesting too, to notice like how much I'm trying to control my own emotions 
and hold back my tears. I feel incredibly uncomfortable crying, even though I feel that psychological safety with him. I'm noticing a level of discomfort around my emotions that I didn't think I had. If somebody had asked me how comfortable I am expressing my emotions, usually I would say, oh, very comfortable. I'm realizing that there's still a level of letting go that I don't feel comfortable doing yet. And so around this idea of my process, this is deeply fascinating to me and actually ties into some of my travels. And this is also just to set the stage how powerful therapy is. My therapist will come in and he'll have kind of a structure. He's so good at, we were doing this all virtually. And the first thing he does is say, okay, this is how I'm going to run this particular session today. And he's still open-minded to it completely shifting. So sometimes we'll start with a certain exercise or something, you know, he'll ask me some questions and it feels very structured. And sometimes one of my answers will lead us in a completely different direction and we'll start addressing that and then we'll come back around to the initial structure. And his willingness and ability to flow through that is really impressive. And I believe it was through one of my answers that I was explaining how I feel like a lot of people reject my style of thinking and my process to come to answers. And I, this ties into feeling like I want to fit in and I want to do things right. But deep down, I feel out of alignment with myself. Even this podcast could be an example of that or being a content creator. I felt a lot of, well, alignment, like lack of alignment is a great term for my relationship with social media and content. And I think the reason that this podcast has really felt like one of the most satisfying projects I've ever worked on is that it allows for me to get deep and to go long. And in the content world, especially YouTube, and now really the case with a platform like TikTok, it's kind of looked down upon if you speak for a long period of time. There's this pressure to keep things short, concise, and then to edit things to make them all flashy. And for years, I've been trying to fit myself in that box as a content creator, but really, I just yearn for long, in-depth explorations. And the times on YouTube in which I did that, for example, on one of my YouTube channels, I think it was my Eco Vegan Gal Uncensored channel, which is like the perfect example of my evolution as a podcaster. On that YouTube channel, I used to do like 30 minute long videos and those felt so good. And even though I never had a big audience or a ton of viewers or whatever metrics people felt like were important for YouTube, the connection I would have with people there was really profound. And that really makes sense given that this podcast is at least 30 minutes long usually 60 minutes. And sometimes people feel like that's strange. People are surprised or even uncomfortable with the fact that this show is long. I remember seeing Joe Rogan's podcast and feeling a sense of relief because here he was being at many points, I don't know if he still is, but for many years, one of the top, if not the top podcaster in the world. And his episodes, I believe, run from an average of two hours long. And when I saw that, I thought, wow, here he is getting all of these listeners for a super long podcast. 
and that's okay. It's like I've been seeking permission to do something in a certain way that kind of goes against the grain of what people believe is the right way to do things or the best practices, the ideal. That has felt uncomfortable to me because it doesn't align with what works for me. So that process of exploring that with a therapist who is not only encouraging me to get to that point of realization, but also saying to me that that's okay. And that's part of the brilliance of this therapist. I feel that psychological safety with him because he's really helping me figure out what's best for me. And he's excited for me to discover that. And that lack of judgment there, it almost feels like everything I say is okay. Every answer I come up with is the right one for me. And I'm recognizing how rare that's felt in my life because I do feel a lot of judgment, even from close friends, people in my life, family members. And some of that could be in my head or some of it could just be a deep sensitivity because I think I've felt like I go about life differently than the majority. And this is where my exploration of neurodivergence has felt so important. I wonder if that would explain it. You know, and that's something else I'm talking to my therapist about. A brief pause from this episode to shout out one of the episode sponsors, Zencaster, who I absolutely love. I'm so thrilled to have them sponsor this show because I talk about them all the time. They have played such a huge role in this podcast, in my growth. I feel like I've been growing alongside Zencaster, learning so much about podcasting. Every time I do an episode, I'm thinking, how can I improve this? What else can I tweak? And Zencaster thinks the same way as a company. They take feedback so well. They are constantly optimizing this platform. And to paint a picture, it is a website that you go to and you just press record to start recording audio, video if you would like. You can do it in 4K. And best of all, it's amazing for having guests. The ability I've had to reach people all around the world in terms of you, the listener, but also having these amazing conversations with other people that I've never even met face-to-face, but I do it so effortlessly through Zencaster as a platform. They even have features to edit your video and audio, to distribute it through all the major players and to monetize it. I'm actually monetizing because of Zencaster. They have made that so much easier. And I hope that you are loving this episode and this entire podcast. If so, I appreciate you taking the time to listen and consider If you are thinking about starting your own podcast or you already have one, Zencaster is one of the number one tools I recommend. So with no further ado, (laughs) we're going to get back to the episode. But if you are interested in checking out Zencaster, you can actually use my code WellEvatorZen, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R-Z-E-N at Zencaster.com slash pricing. You can receive a 30% off discount off of your first three months of Zencaster Professional that I use. I want you and all podcasters to have the same simple experiences that I have with all of my podcasting and content needs. And believe it or not, everyone has an amazing story to tell, including you. And I think 
it's finally time for you to tell your story. So I hope you check it out. Back to the amazing episode that I'm recording on Zencaster right now. My therapist has ADHD and I didn't fully realize that until our most recent session. And actually one of the educators in the training program I'm in for coaching also has ADHD. And I've recognized how being around somebody else who has a neurodivergent brain is really comforting to me because I feel like, okay, they can understand. And that relief of being around someone like-minded is huge for me because again, I've just felt like my brain has worked so differently. I felt a lot of rejection, judgment. I felt like I haven't fit in. And I haven't even noticed that until recently. Another benefit of therapy, right? Sometimes by talking about yourself and your struggles and your emotions that feel very familiar to you, you recognize patterns and experiences that you've had but almost suppressed or literally suppressed. And I feel like I'm uncovering so much social discomfort that I just wasn't aware of until recently because I was so good at trying to fit in or appearing like I fit in. That doesn't mean that I actually fit in or actually felt like I fit in. And then there was this thought for me, oh, well, everybody must feel this. But then how could you feel like you don't fit in if you also believe that everybody feels that? You know, it's interesting to go deep in this way. And it's been interesting to experience so much therapy while I've been traveling. I think all but one of the sessions I've had have been during this trip. And it's a great time to do therapy when I'm around my family because I have a lot of triggers. I'm in my childhood home, which brings a lot of memories. So there are times for me to reflect. There have been some really frustrating, hard moments with my family members. And travel brings out a level of vulnerability for me because I'm not at my regular home. Even though I'm at my childhood home, my family home, I'm not at the space where I live the majority of the time. And that adds a level of discomfort and vulnerability. And then every time I pick up to go somewhere else or every time I meet up with somebody socially on this trip, it brings out that awareness of how I feel in those situations. And it gives me an opportunity to reflect on things that make me feel comfortable versus uncomfortable and examine like why I have this discomfort. And so even when I show up at these sessions with my therapist thinking, I don't know what we're going to talk about today, all of a sudden I start making all these connections. Like, wait a second, what I experienced a few days ago is something we can talk about today. And that leads me to this realization, you know, it's making all of these connections between how I'm behaving and how I'm thinking and how I'm feeling. And that feels good. It doesn't always feel good in the moment. Like I said, it can feel deeply uncomfortable and it can bring up a lot of tough feelings. Another thing I really enjoy from my therapist, that's something I've learned through my coach training, is different forms of mindfulness practices that you can do with a client to ground them before the session or at any point during or after the session. Because of course, it's very common for emotions to come out and feel raw and sensitive, tender too. And I've noticed after some of my therapy sessions, just needing to do something 
to realign myself to also my therapist put it like to integrate it in to really reflect on it and to tell my body that it was safe to feel these things. We did one mindfulness practice that was super interesting in which he encouraged me to hum and I realized how uncomfortable I feel humming to myself. And actually, I rarely ever hum. (laughs) I rarely sing. And that's super fascinating to me because over the years, I've had a few people tell me that it seems like my throat chakra is blocked or I could do some work on it. And I've noticed it a lot. My throat actually has like roundness to it. And it almost looks like there's something going on with my thyroid. And years ago, people would point this out about me through my YouTube videos. And I went to see a doctor and got my blood tested and my thyroid's completely fine. No medical professional has been concerned, but other people will see my throat and notice like almost like a lumpiness to it. There's a YouTube video for this eventually. (laughs) So if you are curious, you know, you can see at the base where my thyroid is or the thyroid area. I'm not a biologist, so (laughs) I think this is my thyroid, but it just kind of bulges. And I've even had podcast guests ask me about it. And sometimes it makes me really uncomfortable because I feel vulnerable and I feel confused. And I've tried asking doctors about it and they're never concerned. And I'm like, wow, like my body shows something that other people are perceiving to be a problem. You know, and that's another challenge too, is I've felt a lot of discomfort in my body and I'm working on a lot of acceptance around it. Especially recently on this trip, I felt like my body is bigger, heavier than I would like it to be. However, I've been thinking a lot about how I think this is just the way my body looks. This is what my body looks like when I'm not trying to control it. And that feels really important to me because control has been an unpleasant thing for me. Not only have people found me to be controlling, perceived me as controlling, but I have felt controlling over myself in a lot of unpleasant ways. And I've noticed that it ultimately feels better if I can just let go and be, for example, I don't always want to exercise, frankly. I try to get movement in. I have my Apple Watch and it tracks how many times I stand and move around and how many calories I burn. And sometimes it's not that much. Sometimes I'm pretty stagnant. You know, I would say in the past month, like I've taken a few walks and various activities, but for the most part, haven't done any exercise. And that actually feels good for me when I'm not judging my body. And same thing with food. I've really allowed myself, and even the word allow with food seems so strange. I've leaned into eating what I want, truly just enjoying food. And a lot of my trip has been influenced by food, especially when I'm with my sister who just loves food. And the two of us love going grocery shopping and love going to restaurants, love snacking and making things. And there's just this deep joy there. And when I can do that without concern over how many calories or how many carbs or fat and all of that, if I can just 
truly appreciate that food. It is so nourishing. And then there's this little voice that's like, Whitney, you're not exercising enough. Your body doesn't look toned. Your muscles are weak. Whitney, you're you're eating too much of this or that. And it's showing. And every single day, there's a moment, at least one moment, usually several, in which I feel discomfort in my body. I feel like it's bloated. I feel like it's too round. Like my stomach just feels more pronounced. But I'm sitting in that discomfort because if this is what my body looks like and feels like when I'm in a state of peace and joy, appreciation, just calmness and not trying to control, I think I would rather my body look and feel this way than have it look and feel a different way that I might perceive as better. But the consequence of that is I have to control so much. And that control leads to this tightness that I feel versus right now I feel fairly relaxed and loose and at peace, like I said. And for the most part, that feels amazing. And the process of just allowing that as much as possible feels important so I can really get in alignment with myself. And going back to what I said, I've noticed how much of my body and the way I feel about it, the way I perceive it is the result of other people's ideas of what a woman's body should look like and how much of that is based on attraction and sexual desire. Before continuing this conversation, this feels like the perfect time to shout out the sponsor, Athletic Greens. Following your gut is incredibly important and taking care of your gut health (laughs) is also very important. It is for me at least. I really value probiotics. That's one of the reasons I started taking AG1 because it has probiotics plus 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, adaptogens to support elements of your body like your gut health. I feel like it is something that I've learned to trust, not just because it looks really nice and it tastes great, but it's also based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It has been recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts. And after I started taking it, I really felt like this was a small thing I could do every single day to take great care of myself, especially my gut. If you would like to try it out, I've made it super easy. And Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of their immune-supporting vitamin D, as well as five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash wellevator. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. And there you can take ownership over your health by picking up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Let me know how it goes. Now back to the conversation. I'm reading a bunch of different books, mostly through audiobooks, and believe it's it's either in this one called Fear of the Black Body, or I think the other one's called Mindful of Race. I imagine it's the first one because I was listening to something about how these body ideals were shaped and they came through preferences. And there's all these, this interesting history 
about how ideas around what the best, sexiest, prettiest, most desirable bodies, where that came from. And if I'm remembering correctly, they came from like a few men that wrote these books way back when. I don't know what the timeline was. I feel like it might have been in Italy, somewhere in Europe. And they might have been like painters or sculptors. <laughs> I could be completely wrong, but my vague recollection of that feels about right. And how interesting that I believe it was also white men many years ago came up with these ideals and they were so prominent that people just started to believe them and they've been passed down through all these generations. And of course there are beauty ideals shift frequently. It seems like every few years we have, you know, the different trends and all of that. But it's sad to me if that's the case that some old white man who's not even alive anymore decided what my body should look like and feel like or just look like but then the pressure to get that type of body and to maintain it has felt awful for me and I think most people it's not even just women it's not just a gender thing and of course there's the all the racial ramifications because I believe this history is showing like this man or a couple men I believe had preferences for a certain figure and a certain skin color and so anyone who didn't fit that mold was perceived as less desirable and less important. Also, what's interesting is I bet my body type is in alignment with which was desirable back then. Because, you know, if you look at old photos and statues, they're usually got thicker thighs and round stomachs and the bellies are not flat. And you know, throughout my life, I've seen images like that. But during my lifetime, that has not been desirable. And it's just so interesting how preferences by one or a small group of people, mostly men, have impacted how a lot of people feel on a daily basis about themselves. And that's like deeply disturbing. <laughs> and for me, it's impacted me on, on so many mental health levels because I'll feel shame and I'm trying not to feel shame around food, but I probably feel that off and on all day long. And how awful that something that's nourishing my body, but also bringing me deep joy has that ripple effect. And the same thing goes with rest. I mean, the fact that I'm not exercising a lot is simply because trying to catch up on so much sleep and sleep's been such a struggle for me. I've had ongoing nightmares and sleepwalking incidents, been having this reoccurring dream that I think I mentioned in a whole episode probably a few months ago about how my reoccurring dreams tend to be about animals and not taking care of them. So they either die or they're on the verge of death. And I wake up in this panic about an animal that doesn't even exist. And that's happened, I think, three times this week alone, including last night. I wake up and I'm just convinced that lately it's been like I've left an animal in my car and forgot about it and haven't fed it, haven't let it out. I don't even know where that comes from. So I'm actually hoping to explore that more with my therapist. But I also had a consultation with a neurologist and I'm going to get my brain scanned to try to see if we can get to the bottom of my sleep issues. And I'm so excited about that. It'll probably be a month or two from now when once I get back to Los Angeles. And I'm a little scared because what if they find something in my brain and it's bad? You know, there's 
connections between my sleep issues and neurological issues like Parkinson's, which two of my family members have had. And I'm afraid, like, what if this is a precursor to that? You know, it's scary. But on the other hand, maybe a brain scan could enlighten me. Maybe it's painting the puzzle. Some brain scans can even help you determine if you have neurodivergence, like ADHD obviously shows up in the brain and previous trauma. I mean, there's so much. Like, I don't know if these particular brain scans I'm getting with this neurologist will go that in depth, but it's something that I've been really wanting to do. And also something I'm trying to explore with my therapist, because for all I know, my brain might be perfectly fine. What if the sleep is related to neurodivergence? Or what if I'm not neurodivergent? I just have something like CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder, usually as the result of trauma. And that scares me too. Like, what if there's some deep trauma that I suppressed? And that's why I have these challenges in the way my brain works. Maybe that's why I have the sleep challenges. You know, this, it's such a big mystery. (laughs) That's the other thing. Like, all of this is deeply complex. And this is exactly why I feel like if you can work with professionals, you get clues and you get closer to determining what's going on with you. And sometimes that releases things like shame. I don't know if I'll ever be free of shame, but certainly I feel relief and less shame through these explorations. Something else I want to talk about that I have become more aware of through my well-being training, as well as my research on racism, marginalized communities, discussions with people on the podcast. For example, this lovely woman who is coming up in a few weeks. Her name is Krista. And she talked about things like her experience with poverty. And I think it's incredibly important to be mindful that not everybody has the same financial resources or access to something like therapy. Accessibility is something I'm becoming more and more aware of and also prioritizing in my work because I've had the privilege of not having to think about it much and thus became very ignorant around it. And I think people who make assumptions that everybody has access to something or the same things can be really damaging in the mental health field. So for my work as a coach, I want to make sure that that is available. And sometimes coaching is a step towards therapy. I don't know if I want to say it's a replacement for therapy because as I mentioned, they're very different things. But you can get so many great benefits out of it. It's a nice compliment to it at least. But if you cannot afford or find a therapist that is a fit for you, then a coach could be the in-between. So once I finish the training, at some point I will share details on coaching more. I mean, I'm already coaching right now, but I'll be a little bit more open about it once I finish the training and definitely when I get board certified. And this isn't meant to be an advertisement for my coaching, but if you are someone who's looking for guidance and support in your well-being, and maybe therapy has felt inaccessible to you, if it has felt like you haven't found the right match, maybe even you need a coach to help you get to therapy. Truly, like that's something I'd be thrilled to support you with is like going through the steps to figure this out because I think some people get overwhelmed 
with the research, get overwhelmed with calling their insurance. As I mentioned, if you don't have insurance, can you do the research to figure out if there's someone who offers it pro bono or on a sliding scale? Those are some of the things that you can work through together with a coach. So I'm happy to do that. And one thing I'll be offering, and I haven't figured this out quite yet, but I do have to have a certain number of hours as a coach with clients in order to complete my board certification. So stay tuned because I'll be offering what I think will be very affordable sessions as well as I might be doing some free coaching sessions. And I don't want to make any promises because through my training, I should get clarity on how that'll all work. And I always want to offer those things, as I mentioned. I just don't know what they're going to be yet. (laughs) I want to make sure that I'm doing it in a way that benefits me and the client. And I think that my current awareness of how to do that is a little limited. So stay tuned. Hopefully in the next few weeks, my training program goes through sometime in November. I don't even know the date off the top of my head. So have some time before I get to that point. And I'm really thrilled about it because I feel like I can pass on a lot of the benefits that I've received through working with great therapists. And I don't know, maybe I'll decide to become a therapist. I haven't looked into what that route would be and how much the education would require in terms of time and finances. I have no idea. Right now, I'm just starting with the coaching side of it. Speaking of which, I have to jump into a training session with that program. So I'm going to wrap this up. I hope that this has been helpful, enlightening, or just interesting to you to hear my process and discoveries. I'll continue to share, especially after that 12 sessions. It'd be really interesting to see where I'm at and what I learned from it, what that process was like, and whether or not I continue on with this therapist or find someone else. And then, of course, my neurology results when those come through. So that's months out. (laughs) But a reason to stay or subscribe for the first time to the show There's new episodes with me talking about things like this every Monday. And on Fridays, I have special guests. And as I mentioned, they've been extraordinary guests in the past, including just this past Friday. And there are amazing people coming up. If you ever have suggestions for topics, I can cover alone or seek out a person who's an expert in something or knowledgeable experience in it, please let me know. I'm really trying to cover all different elements of life and the challenges and the learnings and just the complexity of what it means to be human. So I appreciate you being here and listening to my story and experiences. And I'm grateful for who you are. I wish I would know more about you. This is for me, like coaching is exciting. I also have my private community beyond measure, which you can join. And that's another lovely space where we have discussions like this in a small group setting, all virtual, that psychological safety is of utmost importance. And the people that are part of Beyond Measure are just magnificent human beings. And if you are looking for a safe place to explore these things openly, please come and join us. I will link to it. It's on my website, WhitneyLauritson.com. But you can also find it through the links at wellevator.com where the show notes live. So that's where the full transcript of this episode is. That's where the videos will live once I get those uploaded to YouTube. And everything is basically all in one place. All the resources, the books I mentioned, the sponsors I've had for this show, 
that all lives at wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll be back on Friday with another episode. Bye for now. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. 